0: This episode of Bring Your Kid to Work is brought to you by Lioness Media. Hello, Bring Your Kid to Work listeners. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays. We're taking a little break over the holidays to refresh and collect more great stories for Season 2. In the meantime, we'll be replaying some of our favourite episodes from Season 1. If you're a new listener to the pod, welcome! We know you're going to love these classics. Happy listening! It's time to Bring Your Kid to Work. Hey everyone, it's time to bring your kid to work. It's the family podcast that explores the world of work through the eyes of parents and their kids. Each week, we interview one parent and their child to chat about what they do for work, what they like, what they don't like, and how they got there in the first place. Let's find out who we're talking to today. Our wonderful guests today are Mark and his daughter, Sierra. For more than a decade, Mark was a business analyst at a big four accounting firm which he really liked. But something in him kept calling him to public service and particularly to the health sector. He had a massive career pivot and went back to university to fulfil a dream. These days, Mark is an emergency nurse at a children's hospital and he loves what he does. His daughter, Sierra, is just heading into year 10 at school and is thinking the health sector might be her path too. This is a not-to-be-missed chat that I absolutely loved. I know you'll get a lot out of it too. So let's get on with the show. Welcome to Bring Your Kid to Work. Today's episode is called The Emergency Nurse. We have a special Bring Your Kid to Work today and I'm really excited to welcome our special guests. So I would like our first special guest, I'm going to do it in youngest to oldest. (laughs) Our first special guest, can she please introduce herself? Hi, I'm Sierra. Hey, Sierra, how old are you? I'm 14 in year nine this year. 14 in year nine. So you're going into grade 10 next year and I know that that's a time when you choose different subjects. Have you figured out what you're going to do in year 10?
1: Yeah, so it's a bit different because we have different classes for every subject, whereas this year we stay with a core class for all of like our maths, English and science, etc. So we did the subject session about a few weeks ago and I've picked, I'm doing VC psychology as like an accelerated subject. So I'll be in a class with year 11s. And then I'm doing inside the human body is an elective. I'm doing food tech and healthy minds have healthy habits, which is also another health elective. And yeah, I think that's it.
0: Wow, so you really like the health aspect of school, learning that kind of nutrition and health. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. I will come back to that in just a moment, but I need our next person to introduce himself, our next youngest.
2: (laughs) Thank God you used the word youngest and thank God I don't have to tell you how old I am. (laughs) I'm Mark.
0: (laughs) Hey, Mark, you are an emergency nurse. Yes, yes. Yeah. How long have you been an emergency nurse?
2: That's an easy question to answer because it's exactly the age of my oldest child. I started nursing 14 years ago when Sierra was born.
0: Wow. There you go. So Sierra has only ever known you as an emergency nurse, but I think you did something before you were an emergency nurse.
2: I did. seems like a lifetime ago, but yes, uh, I was previously a, a business analyst with uh, one of the large corporates in the country.
0: I cannot wait to ask you how that change happened. Sierra? Yes. When your dad is an emergency nurse, where is he nursing? Is he in a hospital for really old people?
1: No, the Royal Children's Hospital looks after kids. And so
0: as an emergency nurse, what do you think his day looks like? What does he do all day?
1: Um, I think he sees patients when they come in from like More serious things like, I don't know, accidents and, yeah.
0: (laughs) So he sees patients, so he has to know how to talk to kids, I'm guessing. Yeah. And you said that you were kind of interested in health. Yeah. Aspects for your subjects that you're choosing. Yeah, definitely. Is that something to do with what dad does, do you think? You think that's kind of inspired something?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. I've been looking at, I think I want to have a look at being a paramedic or something similar. Oh, so when you leave school, you want to train to be a paramedic? Yeah, at the moment, but I'm still not sure.
0: Well, I think when I was 14, I wanted to be the Prime Minister, so I'm not the Prime (laughs) Minister, so you don't have to be sure
1: at 14. (laughs) Yeah. Does your dad like his job? Yeah, I think he does. I mean, sometimes I think he gets tired. Obviously, it's hard with working night shifts and stuff. But I think he enjoys it. How about we ask him, Mark? What do
0: you love about your job?
2: Well, I've just come off back to back twelve-hour night shifts, so probably not the best day to ask me. But no, <laughs> I do. I do love my job. Yeah. I think the. I think COVID and the pandemic is taking a bit of shine out of what we do indirectly, because I'm not sure that as a whole the industry uh, loves their job so much. So. Um, but you know, I think that's coming back, and people are starting to really revel in the in the fun and the you know the good aspects of our job again. Yeah, I think we're we're recovering, shall we say?
0: COVID was a very hard time for nurses, and you guys were on the front line, and thank you for that, and to you and all of your colleagues because it means a lot to all of us. What are the good aspects then? You're saying the good aspects are coming back. What are the good aspects of being an emergency nurse?
2: I think. The reason I chose to become a nurse when I changed careers is because, I mean, quite simply, I wanted to help people. I suppose the part that I like most is being able to help people on what usually is for them, the parents and the child, the worst day of their life. That's a a good feeling when you can do that. And when I say the good's coming back, I think people are starting to enjoy coming to, to work more as a lot of the restrictions come down around the pandemic. And so, if people come to work uh, in looking forward to coming to work and enjoying what they do, and then it makes it, it makes it more fun for everybody else to be at work. And I suppose that's what I love about my job most is that you know we tend to have fun. I know it's a very serious profession, but maybe that's just working with kids, although I've done adults as well and tend to like to enjoy coming to work, and that's coming back now.
0: That's amazing. And I've been at the Royal children's in Melbourne, or well, the old one, a couple of times with one of my kids. And I can definitely attest to those emergency nurses being people who were having fun at work. Even though everything's very serious, you have to try and lighten the mood for the kids and keep the parents calm, I imagine.
2: Yeah, correct. It's a big part of, of what we do. So as I said, often people will describe their visit to the emergency department as the worst day of their life, You know, being diagnosed with a new serious illness, having been involved in a car accident, all those sorts of things. So for us, it's about uh, understanding and appreciating that it's the worst day in a lot of people's lives and at the same time also normalizing that for them and life will go on and life will move forward and Yeah, trying to help them through that often uh, uh, a not-so-nice experience.
0: You were saying that you were a business analyst and then you switched completely and became an emergency nurse. That is quite a change. What made you decide that you want to change and become a nurse?
2: Well, I've been asked this question many, many times over the years since I've changed careers because people find it hard to understand and I think I certainly find it equally as hard to articulate why I think I worked in a corporate environment and I loved it, don't get me wrong. I, you know, it was a a role that took me to every corner of the globe and and while I was doing it, I was loving it, but I couldn't see myself retiring or, or, or finishing my career doing that. And I suppose I became a little disillusioned in the corporate world and I felt like I was working for profit and I felt like something was missing and and I was doing a lot of volunteering work for organisations, charities and that was the stuff that was recharging my batteries like an insane amount of volunteering where it probably wasn't healthy fitting, you know, the stuff that was making me feel good and my job together was more than a life could hold. So uh, I then had a realisation that it was about time to maybe change careers and go into public service and do something where I got that same feeling um, that I was getting in my volunteering roles, getting paid to do that, you know, and, and turning that into a career. Without a whole lot of thought at the time, I decided to apply to go back to uni and be a mature age student and I applied for to do paramedics and nursing because that was the fields that I was really interested in. And I ended up choosing nursing over being a paramedic purely because it was an easier path to um, starting a new career and not having to be a self-funding student uh, for too long because I had a previous science degree and there were lots of of exemptions to be had by me doing nursing. And so I could do that quicker than I could study paramedics. So it was really, a, I suppose I was a, a victim of circumstance in the end as to why I chose nursing over being a paramedic. But, but yeah, no regrets. While I would equally love to be a paramedic, I, I, I love my, I love my job.
0: That's amazing. I love that story because I think so many kids leave school thinking they have to know exactly what they need to do going into their future and that's going to be the path for them forever and ever and ever. And it's just not true because we can switch and change all in between. And I love that story. Thank you. Do you know
1: where your dad's first job was? Um, I feel like we were driving home somewhere the other day and he pointed out where his first job was, but I've completely forgotten. <laughs> You've blanked. Yeah. (laughs) Mark, what was your first job?
2: My very, very first job was, paid job, was actually delivering junk mail. Don't hate me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was one of those annoying people who got paid to put all the brochures and all the advertising material in your mailbox. That was my very first job.
0: That sounds like a hard job, though. That's walking up and down streets with people not happy with you putting things in your mailbox.
2: I used to ride a bike, so from that perspective it was good because it kept me fit, it kept me busy. But more importantly, in those days, it kept me in a position to be able to buy lots of Lego. I was a Lego fanatic as a child.
0: (laughs) And what about a job when you, the next job after that, which, because obviously that's a very solitary job, but what was the next job that you got after that one?
2: I did work as a console operator in service stations. That was a, you know, when I was studying at university, that was my main income. So yeah, working in service stations and I think that was just trying to think. I think that was it. I, ah, oh, I do remember now Sierra. And then I also had a job while I was studying at university working for a computer wholesaler. And so I remember now pointing it out to her on St Kilda Road in Melbourne, where all the high rises start as you enter the city of Melbourne from the south. I worked in a, uh, an organization, in essence, putting PCs together in those days and selling them to, to corporates and, and small, medium-sized businesses to help them get up and computerized because You know, I don't want to give away my age, but, you know, this was the day when not all businesses ran on computers and had access to computers. It was really kind of a, uh, a turn in the way we did things. No longer manual bookkeeping. We had, you know, computerized accounting systems and things. So, yes, I think I'm shooting myself in the foot. I am telling you how old I am, aren't I?
0: <laughs> well, you're as old as me in that case because I remember doing the bookkeeping for my dad for the butcher shop so and it was all by hand there was no fpos there was no computers it was all handling money actual cash putting in envelopes to pay the people that dad employed so yeah we're of the same ilk yep, don't that worry was it.
2: <laughs> get that get that little yellow that little yellow envelope every Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon and with the with your cash in it no such thing as the internet, no such thing as FPOS.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's how we did it. That's how we rolled. <laughs> what about you, Sierra? What do you think your first job's going to be?
1: Um, yeah, probably working in just a shop like Target or Kmart or even something food like one And my, my cousin worked at Boost and that's something I'm interested in as well. Yep,
0: all good choices. These are great things because you learn how to serve customers and that's really important, I think.
2: Yeah, I think they'd really love to go and work at McDonald's, to be honest with you. They just don't want to say the McDonald's word in front of their parents because we were always harsh about them choosing McDonald's over everything else.
0: <laughs> well, I started at McDonald's. It's not the worst place to start and they give you half-price food, <laughs> so you've got to love that. <laughs> Sierra, your mum likes the office environment, but you want to be a paramedic. <laughs> you like being outside and chatting to different people?
1: Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to sit at like a desk or in a building for the whole day and not really go outside much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I'm very good at sitting at a desk all day either, so I get that. You, wanting to be a paramedic, you're going to have to go to uni, I imagine? Yes. And I imagine there's going to be a lot of training because you need to learn to drive the big vehicles, the ambulances, you need to be able to save people. That's a lot of training to do. Are you okay with blood?
1: Yeah. I don't really mind blood at all, like in science and stuff we've done dissections and all my friends get grossed out and stuff, but I don't really mind it that much. I think that's a good start then. Now, you said that
0: you like those subjects at school that are health related and that obviously will be great for you going into paramedics, but what other stuff do you love? What do you love that's not a school subject? What else do you do with your time?
1: Netball. (laughs) Netball is basically most of my time outside of school nowadays. what position do you play in netball? Mainly wing attack and centre, so in the midcourt, and sometimes I'll go in the shooting.
0: (laughs) Wow. I was a wing attack for my netball career, so I can appreciate the work that goes into that.
1: (laughs) Sierra, what do you think makes a good job? Something that you enjoy and something that you're good at. Yeah, that's awesome. Mark? What did your parents
2: do for jobs? Um, Well, traditional role of uh, father being the breadwinner and mum, after she had children, was a stay-at-home mum who uh, very proudly used to say, I have a job, and that is being a mother and a housewife. She worked up until she had children. She worked in the Commonwealth Bank, one of our largest banks in Australia. And then dad, on the other hand, was, well, his official title was purchasing officer, and he used to work for all of his career, the same job, for a company that used to Sell industrial pipe. And um, so he used to go and purchase pipes and valves and all sorts of things from overseas you know, manufacturers and then sell them in, within Australia. So that's what he did for all of his career.
0: And did either of your parents go to university, Mark?
2: Uh, No, neither. In fact, my mum could not wait to get out of high school. So as soon as she was allowed when she was 15, my mum wanted to get into town. She wanted to get into the corporate world. So when she landed her first job at the bank, she was a new person because she didn't necessarily uh, love school. She thought it was not what she wanted to do. Dad finished his equivalent of year 12 these days, VCE or HSC. And then he didn't go on to university, but went straight into employment from high school.
0: So what made you decide to go to university when you left school?
2: I think the easy answer to that question is my parents. They were <laughs> they were the main drivers and I think I felt it was it was just the path that people follow which when you think about on reflection is strange given that neither of my parents did university. But I think, you know, that was, I didn't even question whether that was where I was going. I think, you know, different generations, I think to get the sort of jobs that, well, again, don't want to bring it back to money, but, you know, going to university was part of developing a career that set you up for life. So, and I did feel that pressure like Sierra's feeling in year nine. I felt that pressure in year 12 to be choosing subjects to go to university about, oh, my God, what do I want to do? And I finished year 12 and still had no idea what I wanted to do. I chose a university degree based on the subjects that I enjoyed most or found easiest when I was doing even year 12. And so I ended up doing a Bachelor of Applied Science with a major in computing. So my focus originally was in the computing field.
0: Wow. So, yeah, lots of switches for you. I love that. Sierra. what are you most looking forward to when you are out in the world and having your own job?
1: Um well, probably travelling. I want to travel a lot. Do you
0: mean travelling in the ambulance around where you live or do you mean travelling using the money that you earn to then travel around the world?
1: <laughs> using the money that I earn to
0: travel around the world. Right. And you've got a bit of a travel bug, haven't you?
1: hmm
0: <laughs> And no wonder when your parents take you all around the world as well. I love that. <laughs> What else do you think that you'll be doing outside of work?
1: Um, I'm not really sure. I'm hoping that I'll still probably play in a fun netball team with friends and stuff. Yeah, I like that idea. Mark,
0: did I ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up?
2: No, you didn't. And it's funny, I was having this conversation with Sierra because we've been through this choosing of subjects and trying to plot her way through high school, whereas I didn't think about having to plot my life or career until I at least got to uni. My earliest memories of what I wanted to do was, you know, as a primary school student, I wanted to be a truck driver. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, I don't know, I think that's a boy thing, you know, the fascination with big toys, you know, a big truck with loud air horns. And then I moved on to, you know, I wanted to be a fireman and I thought about being a paramedic. I said, you know, as I think this through, I always I had a bit of an inkling towards emergency services at a very young age. And then as I proceeded through high school and everything else, given the opportunity to go to university, something that our parents didn't have the opportunity to do. And so we kind of subconsciously drifted into that field and uh, going and doing a career that was university-based rather than maybe some of the other things that didn't necessarily require a university degree to do. I don't resent or regret any of that. But certainly, I think from high school onwards, my focus was very much what do I need to do academically to, to get a job in an office somewhere? Really, look, working in the corporate world as opposed to the more artistic endeavours and pursuits and, and more specialised careers of maybe becoming a paramedic in those days, which didn't involve a university degree or doing a trade, working on the tools, which is something that, you know, in later years of life I've regretted. I was very good when I was at high school in my hand. On practical subjects, woodwork, sheet metal, all those sorts of things. And you know, and I didn't pursue those, even though they were loves at high school. I ended up doing a university degree. I, I don't suppose I spent a lot of time thinking about it at the time. I just went where where life took me as opposed to feeling like I was in the driver's seat, maybe more so than I do now in later life.
0: It's funny you say driver's seat, you want it to be a truck driver, you're talking fireman, you're paramedic, like <laughs> you clearly <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a theme. Sierra, your dad works as an emergency nurse in a children's hospital now i know that nurses have this patient confidentiality thing so he would never tell you about specific people but surely he's got some interesting stories when he comes home from work about something that happened that day what is the best story you've heard dad tell about work
1: i think there was one the other week the only one i can really remember There was a kid riding home from school on a bike that got knocked over by a car and he ended up getting pretty hurt, I think. So dad gets to
0: tell you through examples of all the things you need to be careful of. Yeah. (laughs) Mark, on the hardest day at work, what makes it hard?
2: Wow. It's a difficult question to answer because I, I feel like I revel in the challenges of what a lot of people would see as hard. For example, like, and, and a lot of people say, you know, it must be an incredibly sad job that I do working with children who are sick and unwell. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. You know, 80% of the time, the things that we do is bring health and join I think, into, into kids and families' lives. The hardest things that I'm sure that people who don't do the career would think about was confronting, you know, maybe death and dying or terminal diagnosis. You know, I love being there and I don't want to, you don't want to downplay it, but you know, normalizing, if you like, where somebody is and trying to help them through that. As I used the expression before, worst day of their life. So, you know, if a parent is listening to the doctors and they tell them that their child has just been diagnosed with cancer, it's awful to see the impact that it has on those families. But at the same time, trying to help them through that and being that person for them on their darkest day is, uh, I really enjoy that. I could pick out things that were difficult, like COVID made our lives miserable, you know, having to get in PPE every day and sweat our way off every hour um, when we're in full PPE and masks and everything. They're the things that I probably don't like and it's more around the bureaucracy. The actual delivering of healthcare is actually the fun and best part about it.
0: And like you say, on the worst day of someone's life, it's quite a privilege to be the person there who's helping them navigate it.
2: Absolutely. And thank you for articulating what I suppose I'm trying to get out. It is, it's an absolute privilege. I mean, one of the things that I love about nursing is the fact that I think it's still viewed as, but, you know, it's viewed pretty much globally that it's one of the most trusted professions in the world and I love people putting that trust in you, particularly on the worst day of their life, and, you know, and trying to help people through it. It's 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 an unbelievable feeling and to walk away from work and feel like you've accomplished something or helped somebody, then it's uh, the most rewarding thing about my career.
0: Yeah, I bet. For you, dealing with sick kids and parents on worst days, does that make it really hard to come back to family and not be worried about the girls all the time?
2: It, it, it is something that I'm conscious of. Yes, and you know, in fact, when I was hospital manager the other night, I had this conversation with another with a mother on the ward as I was walking around checking in every, and everybody. It, yes, the thing that we have to, I have to constantly remind myself just to stay sane, or you know, wrap my kids up in cotton wool and protect them from the world, is trying to normalise what happens at work and then be able to turn it off and come home. So I am very blessed. I don't understand why, but I'm a person who has been able to very easily compartmentalize life in terms of workers' work and I don't bring work home. When I walk out those glass doors of the hospital at the end of the day, I don't think about work again until I walk in those glass doors on my next shift, whenever that might be. So I feel blessed that I can do that. You have to keep telling yourself that what I see at work is the pointy end. Of the, it's the sickest people experiencing terrible things that aren't normal in a normal person's life kids aren't always in car accidents or getting hit by buses, but they're the things that I see every day at work. And it's very easy to slip into that. Oh my God, you have to keep reminding yourself, consciously reminding yourself that I am seeing a very skewed representation of the population. I am not seeing what's normal in the population. And I have to just keep reminding myself that every day. Otherwise you'd be a basket case.
0: (laughs) I think so. I definitely could not do your job. When I was teaching, I wanted to bring all the kids home with me. So that's why there are different jobs for different people because we all have different strengths and different abilities.
2: I still do want to bring all the babies home. I'm as clucky as a mother hen still. And and every time there's a newborn in the department, like there was a six-day-old last night, I'm just going, well, if you ever need some respite care, you know, I'm happy to look after your baby and I've got some daughters who would more than happy to have a, have a have a younger sibling to look after as well.
0: <laughs> I get that. I'm waiting for grandkids, Mark, so, you know, well, I uh, totally <laughs> get that. not too
2: soon, but one day.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: For a very long time, I did want to be a midwife for a couple of reasons. One, because I, I still, to this day, think the greatest days of my life are the birth of my two children. Bringing life into the world is a, is a beautiful thing, and they were simply the greatest days of my life, sending my two children be born.
0: Yeah, it's a magic magic thing. Sierra, is there anything that worries you about going out into the world? I mean, you've just done this subject selection. You've chosen things that you love and are interested in. Anything that worries you about going out after school into the world?
1: Um, yeah, pr- well probably just university and worried how hard it's going to be and the stress of trying to keep everything and the workload under control and stuff. Yeah. Is there anything about
0: work that I should have asked you? Um, I don't think so, no. <laughs> What about you, Mark? Any advice for someone who's starting out?
2: The most important thing is to, oh God, I wish I could think of the saying, if you do what you love, you'll never have to go to work a day in your life. So something to that effect, like do what you love and work will be easy and then you won't have to view it as work. If I can tell a little story, when I was very early in my professional career, I was working in the corporate world and interested in climbing the corporate ladder and getting to senior positions and earning more money and doing all those sorts of things. I had a friend who started out as a, almost as a receptionist at a medical center and uh, ended up managing that medical center. And I couldn't understand how somebody would want to go to work and or enjoy going to work and just work for a very small organization of a dozen people and not be interested in climbing the ladder, so to speak, you know, being ambitious. And then we flip it around. That person now is a chief operating officer, so a C-level executive of a, of a publicly listed entity. And I've changed careers and stepped out of the corporate world from wanting to try climb the corporate ladder to stepping into public service. And, and I'm we've now really reversed roles. I've never been happier. She used to go to work because it made her happy and wasn't wasn't ambitious. So I think to me the most important thing about choosing a career or doing something it's very clear to me that you should do something that you love and then you'll never have to work a day in your life. That's
0: really good advice. I like that.
2: I think it is about acknowledging that there are goods and bads in every career. I have bad days now. I don't want to make it sound like all my work is joyful and wonderful, but I think you know there's goods and bads that every career brings it's about i suppose navigating those or making sure that you always come out on top and under the law of averages
0: when you put all your days together if you've got more bad ones than good ones maybe you might want to think about a different job but if you've got more good ones than bad ones then i think you're you're definitely on top i like that correct oh my god that was one thing i wanted to ask mark mark what is the strangest or most interesting thing a child has put in their nose or their ear
2: (laughs) Um, oh, wow, it, it's such commonplace. I know you're looking for a, a great story, but it's such commonplace with kids. There are things in all sorts of orifices that you will, <laughs> that an emergency nurse will have to tell stories about, but it's pretty sta- stock standard stuff, you know. Uh, what do you call them? Diamantes are probably the most common thing that end up in, in a nose or in an ear. Certainly, lots of kids like to eat Lego bricks and eat coins and do all these sorts of things that end up in their stomach, but. Most of them come out the other end, so you don't have to do anything about that.
0: (laughs) Guys, this was amazing. Thank you so much for making this time. Thank you, Sierra.
1: Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Thank you, Mark.
2: Thanks, Nick. Thank you very much.
0: Bring Your Kid to Work was recorded in Mianjin on the lands of the Jagara and Turrible people who've been sharing their stories for more than 60,000 years. Thanks for listening to a favourite episode of Bring Your Kid to Work Season 1. We can't wait to bring you more stories in Season 2. And in the meantime, we're replaying some of our favourites. And we may even have a cheeky bonus episode in there too. We hope you love it. If you haven't already, make sure you give us a review on your podcast player of choice. It helps other people find the show. And follow Bring Your Kid to Work and subscribe wherever you're listening now. And send your favourite episode to a friend. These stories are too good to keep to ourselves. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bring Your Kid to Work and on Facebook at Bring Your Kid to Work, the podcast. And did you know you can join the conversation? Join Bring Your Kid to Work Career Conversations community on Facebook for great career tips and conversations about the journey of work, workplace culture and parenting while working. If you have an idea for someone for us to interview in Season 2, please jump online and visit bringyourkidtowork.com to drop us an email or DM us through the socials. Thanks again for listening. Bring Your Kid to Work is a Lioness Media production. This episode was produced and edited by me, Nicole Lessio. Our music is composed by Rakuo, with graphics and design by Anastasia Makuka. Follow Bring Your Kid to Work on your podcast player and all the socials and visit bringyourkidtowork.com to see our blog, transcripts from our episodes, and to sign up to our newsletter for the latest updates. Talk to you soon.